I think uh, probably most of you know by now, but uh, we lost two very dearly loved members of our congregation uh, last week. And uh, Sheila always sat with her boys just right up here, and Sonia was always back with her best friend Marion just over there, and uh, they were tragically lost in a car accident. Um, so it's, thank you for your prayers, and thank you for all the support that's been uh, heading out towards the families, and um, just in light of that, it is uh, just a good time to uh, talk about grief. Um, grief is a big theme in the scriptures, and it's a part of uh, our walk. We all face at times loss, and probably a lot of us here have lost loved ones. I've done a lot of funerals for people in our church who have lost children and spouses and and grandparents and um, and moms and dads and it's it's a, it's a hard part of life and scriptures speak into that and one of those passages is in First Thessalonians chapter four, which says we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, this passage is not saying we don't grieve. It's clearly saying we grieve, but we grieve with hope. We grieve as what was mentioned with grace that is this larger than our grief. But grief, grief is a real thing that we, we have to go through and that we will experience over and over again in our life. And I mean, it's just a horrible thought to think, but the reality is, I mean, we don't like to talk about death here sort of in our Western culture much, but... The reality is when you're sitting down there with your family at dinner, one of you there will outlive all the rest and see the death of everyone else at that table at some point. And it's something that we face and, and we grieve. And grief doesn't always just happen through death, but grief happens if you've gone through a divorce. Grief happens if you've lost your job or are going through major changes in your life. Grief can be part of part of that. Uh, one artist uh, created a picture of what grief looks like, and they called it the weight of grief. It's like when you're filled with rocks and just you can't think straight, you can't make decisions, everything just feels heavy, and, and it's, a, it's a very confusing time. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book on grief, said this about grief. For in grief, nothing stays put. One keeps on emerging from a phase, but it always reoccurs, round and round. Everything repeats. Am I going in circles, or dare I hope I am on a spiral? But if a spiral, am I going up or down it? How often will it be for always? How often will the vast emptiness astonish me like a complete novelty and make me say, I never realized my loss till this moment? The same leg is cut off time after time. And those who have experienced deep, deep grief realize this. You, you kind of get to pull out of it and then you hear that song. Or Christmas comes around. Or birthday hits. And, and as if you see C.S. Lewis's, it's like your, your leg is cut off time after time. Uh, my favorite definition of grief is this one. I mentioned this in the funeral yesterday. But I love this definition. Grief, I've learned, is really just love. It's all the love you want to give, but cannot. 
All that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in the hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go because that person isn't physically with us anymore. And uh, we see throughout the scripture, grief is, is an important part of our life. And we've got to be careful that we don't, because sometimes Christians can do this, is kind of, you know, kind of spiritually bypass grief, or people do that even in our culture. Like, we want to be sad, we want to, we want to be happy and cheery, and, you know, it's all good. And uh, we can't bypass the importance of grieving. And, and from the beginning of scripture to the end, we see uh, grieving as a reality of our life. And so right at the beginning in Genesis 23, we see it says, Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Or Genesis 37, then Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. Or Genesis 50, the Egyptians mourned for Jacob 70 days. In Deuteronomy, the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. For Samuel, Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And in, in, in New Testament, we see after the death of Stephen, it says godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. This, this is a part of our process. And, and uh, they did it differently back then in some ways. They still had tears, but often it was associated with things like often you hear of the tearing of their clothes. Uh, when they were in grief, we see the sprinkling of dust or ashes on their head. You see this in Job, it says they began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Uh, they had, back in those days, and we see even in the Gospels, these folks called professional mourners. Jeremiah Nye, call for the wailing women to come and send for the most skillful of them. And, you know, today we might call like a band to play or a caterer to come and serve, but back then they would call these these professional wailers who would come and just help the family grieve and as they would wail and, and, and stir up emotion and help our mind and our heart to connect with, with loss. We see covering of heads and walking barefoot. It says, David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people were with him, covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. And uh, some would refrain from washing and other activities. Uh, sackcloth was a common thing, which in those days was made from coarse goat hair, and they would wear it and it'd be really uncomfortable. But it was a way of connecting their body to their emotions and to the reality. And you know, we that do that a little different. But there's these processes, this 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 path that we go through that as we walk the path of of grief. We see Jesus expressing grief. And again, if we want to run from it, our model is Jesus. We, we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And we say, well, how did Jesus live? And, and he grieved at times. He, he grieved over when he was thinking ahead to the destruction of Jerusalem. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he, he wept over it. He was grieving, knowing that lives would be lost and there'd be tragedy. And he was grieving all over that. He, he wasn't chipper all the time. Because if you're chipper and, and you're supposed to be grieving, then there can be, a, can be a disconnect there. We see him grieving at the loss of his friend Lazarus. And this is, uh, Jesus saw the sister of this fellow who passed away, saw her weeping. And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, 
Lord, they replied. In the second shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, grieving over the loss of life and, and, and what death causes. And, and then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And, and it's the same for us when we shed tears. It, it, again, it's a sign of this love and this, this loss and this, this person that we are missing that we can't see physically in our lives anymore. Jesus, he wept, he grieved. And it's okay. Again, we don't want to bypass grief. Um, and we don't want to make it sound like, you know, sometimes we can say, you know, it's okay, I mean, they're in heaven. They are. <laughs> That's great. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But don't let the idea of them being in heaven bypass the grief that we need to go through because death is actually an enemy. And sometimes as Christians, we can say, well, death is a good thing because they go to heaven. Okay, being in heaven is awesome. This is great there with Jesus. But we are here and they have died and death is a heart-wrenching experience for us to go through. This is why the Bible actually calls it an enemy. I mean, the last enemy that's going to be destroyed is death. Uh, famous scholar uh, N.T. Wright puts it this way, talking about this, the idea of death as an enemy. This is blindly obvious to anyone who has recently been bereaved. Though some, thinking to be kind have often tried to soften the blow by pretending death doesn't really matter that much, which is a piece of blasphemous nonsense, he says. To say that death is anything other than an enemy is to deny the goodness, beauty, and power of God's creation. God didn't create this world with death in it. He said, it is very good. The world is filled with life and everything was beautiful. And through sin and the fall and all that mess, death creeps in. And death is an enemy to the, to the beauty and the creation and, and the goodness of God. I mean, look at what it does to our hearts. And it's such a very, very difficult thing to walk through. And so it is an enemy, as, as the scriptures called it. And so as we face this enemy... Often in our lives, as we have people pass away, uh, we, we, we got to honor that work that God does through grief. Uh, we were created to honor our losses. We do not grieve. We do not mourn. Our heart that wants to feel sadness gets trapped. And, and this is the danger of trying to go around our grief and just trying to pretend it didn't happen or just try to you know, busy ourselves with work and to not actually go through the... Our heart needs to go through that process. It's very, very important. And again, the scriptures give us permission to do this. I mean, we see examples of grieving all over the scriptures and psalm, the Psalms are a great place to, to be in because... Sometimes as you're reading those psalms, you're reading words, and you're like, oh, that's exactly what my heart is feeling right now. The psalms can be a beautiful place to be as we travel up and down in our emotions. And so, for instance, Psalm 31. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow. Or Psalm 6, I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Or Psalm 56, record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? And this is the, the crazy thing about God. Yeah, he talks about, he collects our tears in a bottle. He, he, he knows not only the number of hair on her head, it says, but every single one of our tears is so very, very precious to God. 
And that grieving process is precious to God as we connect with that. Chip Dodd said, when we cannot feel sadness, when we cannot value, when we cannot ache over what we lose, we have resigned ourselves to an existence that never lets life affect us. As a result, we can never find the healing that sadness can bring because sadness is a cleansing feeling. It eases the burden of daily life. Tears are a gift that we give to whatever we lose. I mean, it's something God created in us. If God didn't want us to shed tears and grieve, He wouldn't have created such a healing process through that. And, and so it's important, again, to have those moments of tears and those moments of sadness and just to enter into that. It is part of the healing process. But the Bible says we grieve. But we grieve with hope and we grieve with grace in mind because uh, we know scripturally that death doesn't have the final word. And when we face death, we, we know that's not the, the final word of life. It's not the final word for that person. Uh, death is an enemy whose days are numbered. And, and so we, we, we have this weird thing. <laughs> and we see this. We, see, we saw it yesterday, you know, at the funeral. We, we see it when we lose people. We have these moments of, of tears. And the next moment, we can be laughing, <laughs> you know, as we think about them. Or we're in tears. And then, then we're smiling because we know they're with Jesus. And, and that's Okay. And the scripture talks about this kind of thing, like 2 Corinthians 6.10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Or as another translation puts it, grieved and mourning, yet we are always rejoicing because we miss that person, but then we think about them in the presence of Jesus, and we're like, they're probably having a blast. <laughs> and it puts a smile on our face, but then we're like, oh, I miss them. And it's just it's sorrowful and joicing and grieving, yet we're, it's, it's this weird thing that this process of we do not grieve like people who have no hope. And so let's talk a little bit about the hope end of grief. Uh, we have a hope and a grief because those who die in Jesus are very much Alive. I mean, death is not the end um, for, for, for us. It is really just a door. It's, it's like walking through a door and, and it's just this whole new world. I mean, Jesus put it this way. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he or she dies. They will live even though he or she dies. And so if someone dies, they're, they're living. <laughs> so death is just like, and they're alive. I mean, they're, they're living. And we know when it comes to Sheila and to, to Sonia, how they're never more alive than today. I mean, they're in a place where there's no, they don't have to hear, you know, you got cancer or your son or daughter has died or they don't have to hear all that bad news that we face and the struggles of just trying to live. They're, they're living in beauty and perfection and they're never more alive. And like I said yesterday, I mean, they're probably looking down at us and thinking that we're the dead ones, right? Because <laughs> we're still struggling and they're so alive. And so that gives us hope. We rejoice in that when we think about, I mean, suffering is such a hard thing. And to think about someone who is in a place where they don't have to deal with that anymore, no matter what the grief is, that makes me smile. And so in our hope, in our grief, we have this hope and, and it makes us smile at times. And, and, and we know also we have hope because we know that this 
enemy death, as it says, is the last enemy to be destroyed. And one day that's not going to be a thing anymore. Because of Jesus, one day every single particle being in this whole universe will be defined by the love of God. Everything in this entire universe. That's what it says in Colossians 1, through the Son, God also reconciled. This is actually past test. It's already been done, but it's just kind of working his way out. Through the Son, God also reconciled all things. Not just some. All things to himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, thereby making peace through the blood of his cross. And, and so we look forward to this day when everything is just going to be defined by the love of God and, and where suffering will be no more. And so we grieve now, but we hope and look forward to this future that is coming. As Romans 8 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And to me, this only means that, man, the future life must be really, 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 really amazing because if it says that our present sufferings are not worth comparing, well, our present sufferings are pretty crappy at times. So if they're not worth comparing, that means it must be really, really amazing to say it's not worth comparing. But what God has planned for us, you know, I can see, we just can't imagine what it's going to be like. And that gives us hope in our suffering. That God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be uh, no more pain for the former things have passed away. Just imagine never having pain in your body ever again. <laughs> Just imagine. Yeah, I, think, I think we'd all take that, at least if you're over 40. Or, yeah. <laughs> You never have to hear those stories of bad news anymore. We have hope in our grief because God, He's with us in our pain. And, and this is an important part for us now as we, we shed tears and we grieve. Is that, that, that we're, just, we're never alone. Even when you want to, you know, tired of people, we want to run away and just grieve on our own for a moment. God is there. He has said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Deuteronomy 33, the everlasting God is a refuge and underneath you are his eternal arms. Or Psalm 73 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength over my heart and my portion forever. And in grief we experience this, like I have no strength, my heart has failed, my flesh has failed, but, but it says God is over that and his grace is over our grief. I just want to finish with the old footprints poem because uh, as much as you and I have heard this, it's just always good. One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. 
However, I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So God, we thank you that you carry us. Thank you, God, that you are with us and that your grace is strong. And God, we just pray this extended grace and love on this, the two families. God, for our friends here, we bless them. And God, we thank you for Sonia. We thank you for Sheila. We thank you, God, that they are with you. God, we thank you that in this moment, they have never been more alive, and we thank you for that. And God, I thank you that they are in your presence and we are in your presence as well. And so God, they are not far. You say that we are seated with you in the heavenly realms and they are seated with you in the heavenly realms. God, I thank you that they are not far. In Jesus' name, amen.